how are you now? Haha. <laughs> Ooh. How are you now? Folks, I submit to you that that was a perfect, a perfect tank game. Your Montreal Canadiens lose 5-4 to four to the Ottawa Senators. Uh, hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast. I am Matt Drake and I am going to explain to you why I feel like that 5-4 loss is a perfect, perfect loss for these Montreal Canadiens in a tanking season. Man, um, I've said it time and time again. What, what I want to see this season is entertainment. I want to see young players take a step forward. And we saw all of that in this game. And we saw a loss. And, you know, losses, they, <laughs> they're they not super fun. Um, definitely not giving up a late goal. I'll, I'll get into it in the recap. Let's do the recap first. And then we can talk about, you know, tanking, etc., etc. There's a lot to get to in the recap. So this is probably going to take me a little bit longer than it normally does. Uh, <laughs> second shot of the fucking game. Uh, we, we get into it real quick with the Habs this one. Um, the Senators, they have one shot through about two minutes of play. The second shot of the game goes in on Jake Allen. Uh, Nikita Zaitsev takes a shot from the point. I think it was touched by Claude Giroux on the way through. They did eventually credit it to Giroux, uh, but it doesn't matter. That makes it one nothing for the Ottawa Senators. And you're starting to feel very early on like this is not going to go. This is going to go very similar to the last one. This might end up 6-2, 7-2, something like that. I don't know. But I was thinking Jake Allen, he's fresh off of an injury. He's only playing his second game since coming back. Uh, maybe he's just a little bit rusty. For some reason, he seems to look worse early in the early goings of each game. Uh, he certainly did in the last one. And I'm like, well, you know, he, he let in the second one, not the first one this time. So that's progress, I guess. We'll wait for the third. And the fucking third one goes in, too. Uh, this time it's Metzger Joseph. He sends Tim Stutzel in. It kind of goes off of Jordan Harris's skate and over to Stutzel. And Stutzel goes roof daddy with that one. Makes it 2 nothing. less than four minutes into the game. Doesn't seem like this one's going to go well for the Habs whatsoever. But later on in the period, the Montreal Canadiens get a power play. It blows. It absolutely sucks. But then they get another one a little bit longer after that. And it works mad scramble in net after a Mike Hoffman shot. Uh, Anton Forsberg makes the initial save, but he's down and he doesn't have it. And it squeaks through the wickets, goes through his five hole and it's kind of sitting in the crease. And the first person to actually get there and find it is Kirby Doc, And he puts it into the yawning cage and makes it two to one. The Montreal Canadiens are right back in this thing. Now that was all she wrote for the first period. Um, and if you looked at the shot clock at the end of 20, you would have been pretty disappointed if you were trying to look for some signs of life from the Montreal Canadiens. Shots were 11-4 to 4 in favor of the Senators. However, at the beginning of the second period, RDS actually showed uh, some highlights for me, and they educated me a little bit because I knew the Habs hit a couple of posts. I did not know that they hit five posts in the first period. So they actually didn't do that bad. Um, yeah, they were outshot. Uh, yeah, they were outchanced, I, I would say, for sure, on, on both fronts, not doing super well. But, you know, five posts, those roll a different way for you, and uh, this is a very different game. So, you know, uh, that made me feel a little bit better about the game overall and definitely made me feel a lot better about the fact that it was 2-1. to one. I felt like the score could have been worse. Now, the Habs come out in the second period looking considerably better. Jake Allen, he may have let in two goals on the first three shots, but he also looking considerably better, making some absolutely stellar saves for his team in the second frame. And the Habs, 
unfortunately get into some more penalty trouble later on in that period. Early goings of the period, they're looking great. Jake Allen's looking great, but then Johnny Kovacevic takes a tripping penalty. Nothing Jake Allen can do about this one. Uh, Alex DeBrincat gets a one-timer from the Ovechkin spot right on that left face-off dot, and he makes no mistake from there. God, he can shoot the puck. Uh, and that's 3-1 to one in favor of the Ottawa Senators. However, the Montreal Canadiens get a late power play in the second period of their own. Are they going to get two power play goals in one game? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Mike Matheson picks one out of midair, picks a clearing attempt out of the air at the blue line, moves down, gets around a check, and throws a beautiful pass across the ice over to Mike Hoffman, and he fires an absolute ripper to make it 3-2. to two. The Habs again back in this thing trying to overcome that deficit. Now, at the end of the second period, I'm going to talk about something that doesn't necessarily involve goals, but it's something that's very near and dear to my heart, some of that rough stuff, all right? So towards the end of the period, Arbor Jacki is going into the corner in the defensive zone to go and get a puck. He kind of stops like he's going to land a bump back hit on Brady Kachuk, uh, and that doesn't work out for him. Brady Kachuk just runs right into his numbers and throws him into the boards. Now, you could call that boarding, I don't blame the refs for not calling it because Jack Eye did stop up and looked like he was trying to bump back. Um, but I tweeted it out right away. I'm like, the, the sheriff's not going to let this go. There's no way the sheriff's going to be okay with getting hit in the numbers like that. And sure enough, right at the end of the second period, um, Brady Kachuk obviously realized that. So he skates into the corner again after Jack Eye and pushes him and grabs him like he's going to fight him. But he just turtles. Like, he's not actually trying to fight him at all. He's trying to goad Arbor Jacki into throwing his gloves off and throwing a punch so he either gets kicked out or gets a 10-minute misconduct or gets a 5 of his own. He's basically trying to get Arbor Jacki in the box for as long as he possibly can to avoid having to fight him. So Brady Kachuk's a coward, um, not willing to answer for his own transgressions. And uh, we'll get to that a little bit later as well at the end of the recap. Point being, Brady Kachuk, you suck. Habs in the third period really trying to get back into this thing they're all over the Senators easily their best period of the game so far they got better as the game went on and uh, that was very much true in the final 20 minutes all over them by the midway point of the period the shots are actually even remember I said at the end of one it was 11 to 4 in favor of the Senators it was I think I forget what it was at the end of the second I can go double check it but it doesn't matter the Senators were out shooting the Habs through 40 minutes by a pretty significant margin and by midway of the third it's tied up and finally, just past the midway point of the period, all that hard work pays off. Nick Suzuki in the offensive zone. He's just playing keep away with the puck and puts an absolutely absurd pass. Cross slot, tape to tape, to Rafael Harvey Pinar. And he puts it into an, a completely empty cage. It was a beautiful pass. And it's 3-3. This game is tied up. But very shortly after that, Justin Barron takes a very dumb uh, boarding slash cross-checking penalty, whatever you want to call it. I think they called boarding on the ice, but you could have called either. And uh, the Senators go to work, and they make you pay for it. Tim Stutzel gets a look from the top of the circle through a lot of bodies. I think that one was clean. Stutzel's goal uh, makes it 4-3 to three for the Senators, but zero quit for the Montreal Canadiens. Zero quit. Raphael Harvey Pinar again. This time he grabs a loose puck after a zone entry, just tenacious in his pursuit of that puck. Fires a shot, gets stopped by Anton Forsberg, follows it up, goes to the net, gets the rebound, puts it in, and makes it four to four. 
holy shit, are the Habs actually going to pull this thing off? They are not. With just over a minute on the clock, the Sens get a bit of an odd man break. Uh, Tim Stutzel feeds it over to Brady Kachuk. He takes a shot. Looks like it goes off of David Savard's skate and into the net. That makes it 5-4, to four, and that is your final. Um, Brady Kachuk, after that goal went in, skated over towards the boards and did a heavyweight belt celebration like Aaron Rodgers style uh, from the olden days when Aaron Rodgers used to run the ball in and do the belt celebration. Uh, kind of a fucking ridiculous celebration to do when you straight up refused to actually fight a guy that you hit in the numbers who wanted to fight you um, and tried to goad him into a penalty to avoid fighting him. So um, pretty cowardly stuff. And then you're going to do that celebration after scoring the goal. Enjoy barely missing the playoffs and ruining your team's chance at a high draft pick in a very enticing draft just for the sake of, you know, trying. Enjoy that. Um, whatever. I'm not upset. I might be a little bit upset, <laughs> but it's le- at least it's comforting to know that, uh, that Brady Kachuk is definitely afraid of the sheriff. But enough of my potential things that I might be upset about. Um, that was a great, nay, a perfect tank game. You could not ask for better in a tank season than what we just saw. I mean, what more are you going to ask for? They lost the game. We saw primarily players from the Rocket helping them get to the point where they almost won it against a team who think that they have legitimate playoff aspirations with 11 forwards. Like, what more could you ask for from the Montreal Canadiens? That was fantastic. So let's get into your silver linings of the night. I'm going to give you multiple. And we're going to start with the obvious one. Raphael Harvey Pignard. What a game from that dude. What a, what, a, what a couple of games from him since he's been called up. I think there's no argument at this point. This kid is an NHLer. He needs to stay in the NHL. They need to give him a legitimate shot next year in camp um, to you know, ratchet down a bottom six spot or maybe a middle six spot, whatever it may be. He's the new Gallagher. I mean, look at that second goal that he scored. Is that not peak Brendan Gallagher stuff? Even the first goal, man, just right spot, right time, fighting for position in front of the net, makes himself available for a fantastic pass from a more skilled teammate. Like, it's he's he's got all the hallmarks of Brendan Gallagher in his game, and it's going to give him success at the NHL level. And I think there's no argument at this point. He's an NHL player. Um, if even if this team gets fully healthy, I hope that they trade people before they send him back down to Laval. You cannot send this guy back down to Laval. We have to keep trying him out, keep giving him opportunities, and see what he can do. Because I legitimately feel like this is a guy that, with him in your bottom six, you he's the kind of guy that you know you win cups with that can score clutch goals for you in the playoffs by getting to dirty areas, by turning nothing into something, like he did on the 4-4 goal to tie the game. I mean, that was just a nothing zone entry. They just got into the zone, puck gets tipped away, and then he grabs it, gets a shot, follows it up, scores. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Seventh round pick, people. Seventh round pick. It just goes to show that you can find gems late in the draft. Players that are overlooked by other teams because they don't necessarily have that one thing that they're looking for. Well, he's got it. He's he's got he's got a lot of things that are going to make him a successful NHLer. I'm excited to see what he can do for the remainder of this season. They could lose every game from here on out. If he scores goals like that once in a while, I'm going to get just as excited every time he does it. 
because to pick up players in the seventh round that can do things like that, it's rare. It doesn't happen all the time. The Habs have done it before. Like Jake Evans was a seventh rounder. They've had some success with him. You saw what he did in the the playoff run in 2021 where he really helped, uh, particularly against the Jets until he got knocked out by uh, Mark Shifley. But prior to that, even against the Leafs as well, he was so good defensively. I mean, the Habs have had success in the seventh round. Don't sleep on the draft, man. You can get some gems late in the draft. And this is another guy. I'm so excited to see what he can do. So excited. And your second silver lining. I got to go with Nick Suzuki for this one. Nick Suzuki's had a bit of a rough go lately. He's been getting double shifted to death. They've been running 11 forwards. And the two guys that they've been deciding to double shift the most out of anybody are the two obvious ones, Kirby Doc and Nick Suzuki. And Nick Suzuki has fared admirably, I feel. He's had some rough games. But this one against Ottawa, man, he showed a lot of what made him a first-round pick in the first place. Right? Just elite playmaking. That pass to Raphael Harvey-Pinard was unreal. That's how babies are made. That was, uh, honestly... Take a look at that pass. If you haven't seen it yet, I got a highlight up on my Twitter account, at DrakeMT. Scott Matla probably has one too. If you go to at Scott Matla, he's definitely got one up there, I'm sure. So if you want to see a couple of different angles, you can go on both of our Twitter accounts. You can follow both of us too. Look at that, another shameless plug for Twitter. And man, it was just, it was an absolutely beautiful pass. He also picked up an assist on the earlier goal as well. Um, which goal was that? I think he got an assist on... I can't even remember now, but he had two assists in the game is, is what's important there. And I think he needed that. I think he needed uh, a bit of an icebreaker with the fact that he's had a rotating cast of line mates for the last couple of weeks since Cole Caulfield went down in particular. And somehow he's still managing to find a way to produce. I mean, there's been some chatter on the old Twitter machine lately about whether or not he's worth his contract. I think number one, this season was never going to be a good judge of whether or not he's worth his contract in the first place because we knew the Habs were going to be bad. We knew the Habs were going to be one-dimensional in terms of their scoring. And they were. They were exactly what we thought they were for the first better, for the for the better part of the year. And then everybody got hurt, so it got even worse. Now we're at a point where again, he's getting double shifted, he's got a rotating cast of line mates, and his best line mate, the one that he has the most chemistry with is out for the season. And he's finding a way. He's finding a way, folks. So if you're worried about Nick Suzuki, if you're worried about whether or not he's going to live up to that contract, keep in mind, he's under $8 million per year. And he's a number one center on a team that doesn't have any number one wingers right now. They don't. And he's doing this against the Ottawa Senators. I like it. I'm perfectly fine with where he's at right now. Um... I hope that he can keep it going. I think there's going to be some rough games as well mixed in there. I don't think there's anything you can really do about that, barring a miraculous recovery by Cole Caulfield and he all of a sudden gets back to action in the next month, which we know is not happening. So you got to take the good where you can take it. And Nick Suzuki was very good in that game. He created a lot of offense, and uh, he even landed a big bump back uh, hit on Nikita Zaitsev. Nikita Zaitsev was trying to run him over in the offensive zone in the third period, and he bumped him back. And knocked him flat on his ass. Nick Suzuki looking solid on his feet out there against a dude that outweighs him by probably 50, 60 pounds. Incredible. And for your number three uh, silver lining of the night, I gotta go with Kirby Doc. Man, Kirby Doc is on a tear lately. 
I was very against, and I, I got to be honest here, I was very against the idea of taking Kirby Doc off that top line. But that was when Cole Caulfield was there. When Cole Caulfield got hurt for the rest of the year, I understood 100% why they needed to move Kirby Doc to center. And now that Kirby Doc has had the chance to play center for a little while, I'm wondering how do you go back to the way it was? He looks fantastic at center. He's a possession monster most of the time. He's driving the net. He's going to the, like, he's doing everything. And he's doing it with Mike Hoffman and Evgeny Dadanov as line mates. Like, I'm not trying to shit on Dadanov and Hoffman. Uh, they actually both played really good games. Hoffman was close to being a silver lining himself in this game, honestly. But they're not two players that I would have thought Kirby Doc was going to find success with if he got moved away from the two best players on the team in, in Suzuki and Caulfield. Right? Like, if if they separated those three early on in the season when the team was fully healthy and they figured out some other combination that had Doc playing with anyone other than those two, I would, I would have been less surprised that he was finding success. If Caulfield and Suzuki are still together, they're taking most of the defensive attention. They're probably allowing Kirby Doc on a different line to have some more freedom as a result of having lesser competition. But that's not the case. You've got Suzuki right now running wild with a rotating cast of line mates. you got Doc playing with Evgeny Dadunov, who nobody wanted. Well, I guess at least the Vegas Golden Knights definitely didn't want. Uh, willing to part ways with him for uh, the contract of a player who's not going to play again. And Mike Hoffman, who the Habs apparently aren't able to trade whatsoever. And he's still finding success. Kirby Doc might be the number two center that this team needs. He might be. I might have been wrong about everything I said earlier on in the year when the team was mostly healthy. And I was like, you can't break up that line. I, how many times did I say that on this podcast? I wrote it on Eyes in the Prize many times as well. Don't break up that line. Every time they broke up that line, they looked worse. All of a sudden now, they, they're only icing 11 forwards. They've got that line broken up. One of them's not even available to play anyways, and they look better. I, I'm, a, I'm big enough to admit when I was wrong, and I think I might have been wrong about this, because uh, so far, Kirby Dock at center looks fantastic. I love it. And um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give one more final silver lining of the night. Uh, I'm going to go with Mike Hoffman. You know, Mike Hoffman, not only did he score in that game, but he had a screamer at one point that he put on net that Anton Forsberg had to make a really nice save on. I have said this a few times. I think there's a deal out there for Mike Hoffman. I think there's a team out there that is willing to pay something for Mike Hoffman. I think it's going to involve the Montreal Canadiens retaining salary, but I believe that there is a way that they can move on from that contract without having to eat too much of it. I don't know, but if I'm a general manager of a team that's about to go compete for a Stanley Cup, we know, we just saw the trade between Vancouver and the Islanders, right? So Vancouver gives up Bo Horvat. They get back Atu Ratu, um, Anthony Beauvillier, and a second-round pick. I think it was a second-round pick anyways. Don't quote me on that. Maybe it was a first-round pick. No, it was a second-round pick. Doesn't matter. Three assets for Bo Horvat. Now, the Islanders are a bubble team. If they're out right now buying, what's that signal to everybody else in the league? It signals to everybody in the league, you better army up. You better bring whatever you can. Because we are, 
we're going for it. So I wonder, does this expand the trade market a little bit? And does this create a market for some players that might not otherwise have one, a.k.a. Mike Hoffman? Mike Hoffman is not a player that people are going to beat your door down for because he's got another year left on his contract and people are probably not going to want to pay that. But if you watch that game, if you're a scout for another team and you watch that game, you might see his shot and you might be like, this is the fucking thing that we need. We need extra, we need power play help. He can help us in the power play. We need a guy that can one touch it. He can do that. I don't know. I just hope he keeps playing like this because if he does, I I think there's a chance that the Habs can move on from that contract and they could actually stack some assets as a result. Um, I'm going to cut it off there because we're already over 20 minutes. Uh, we're over 21 minutes, actually. So, c'est une soirée inconnue pour les employés de soutien. Euh, mais c'est pas mal connu en ce moment parce que je l'ai fait auparavant. Fait. Anyways, we are on Spotify, Google Play. We're on Apple. Uh, we're not on Megaphone anymore, but I'm on Substack. MattDrake.substack.com Please, if you would, go and give me a follow over there if you haven't already. It is free. I will never pay well anything over there, and you will at least be able to keep up to date with what's going on with Eyes on the Prize. Again, I would love to give you guys some news, but all I know right now is that there are things going on in the background. There are some negotiations happening. There is a possibility, a strong possibility, that we are going to remain intact. I just don't know what it looks like yet, and the moment I know, I promise you i will give you an update either on my Substack or right here or on my twitter so follow me on twitter as well at drake mt i would appreciate that very much thank you as always for listening you cannot understand how much i appreciate it and of course à la prochaine